Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm joined on the show this week by fellow Australian consultant Sam Mead. G'day, Dom. And Jess Kef. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, hey guys. So thanks for being here. I, I want to get your collective expertise. So we get a lot of questions from accredited people or people considering accreditation or even companies who are just looking at running development programs around what makes for a good coach for LSI and what makes for a good debrief of an LSI. So love to hear your thoughts, Sam. What do you reckon? What, what are the elements that go into making a good coach? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I'm sure everyone would have a different interpretation of it. I think I'd probably start by saying what's what's not a coach, and that's mm. not a it's not a, an advice giver. Mm. It's not a mentor. It's not a it's not a boss. It's not a manager. You know, mm. often we all play those roles. It's not a friend, mm. so it's not a shoulder to cry on. So, what is it? I think it's it's someone who enables you to identify insights about a situation that you're involved in that can help you develop a solution to improve the outcome of that situation. That's probably my thoughts. What what comes to mind for you, Jess? I feel like a coach personally is just someone that you can be really open with. You can be someone, you know, you can be yourself with that person. Mm. Um, so there's that sort of level of comfort. Mm. So I, I agree with you, Sam. Like it's it's not a friend, it's not a manager. You kind of maybe all things. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's, it's built on trust, mm. right? And you got to trust that this person has your interests at heart. If you're going to be open with them, yes. And picking up on the, the line about it's not being a friend to them, I think that's a really interesting area where people struggle. Is as a coach, you know, sometimes you have to give not good news if you like, mm. right? Sometimes. Someone's LSI profile, for instance, can be quite confronting for them. And it can be really tempting in those situations to go, to try and make it okay, to try and make it all right for them. But what should you do instead, Sam? What do you think? I think this concept of positive tension, I believe that we don't learn unless we have a level of discomfort. Mm. You know, life and learning begins at the end of your comfort zone. Mm. I think. A coach's role is to create a level of positive tension or discomfort to allow allow some stuff to emerge for you. You know, I think I've found that personally and on both sides of the coaching experience. Mm. And I think our job is to not sugarcoat it. Mm. I think you've got to deliver it in a way that's that allows the person to get some value from it. Mm. And sometimes the most value you can have is when you sit with it in a way that creates some tension, some mm. discomfort. Because that's when the ideas will be emerging. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got, you got to support people in their discomfort, right? So it's yeah. not just about lobbing the hand grenade no. at them or something, right? And then, well, there you go. That's some real feedback, quote unquote, which would be a kind of aggressive way of doing that, I suppose. But supporting them in their discomfort, but not excusing it either, yeah. right? Because people love to, if, especially if it's not saying they expected, like, oh, well, that must be wrong, or those people don't know what they're talking about, or you know, going through the kind of stages of shock denial, all that stuff. And it's not getting sucked into that with them, Mm. which could be tempting as a coach because, you know, you've got your own LSI going on and maybe you want a bit of approval or something. Mm. That's Um, right. You know, so it's it's tempting to do, but it's been okay with 
holding the tension. It's a positive tension, right? Because you're right that growth comes from some of that discomfort. You know, and a lot of people talk to me, you know, I go out on, you know, talking to people who are looking at doing LSI and they say, oh, I've done it in my old company or something. I'm just worried it's going to be kind of confronting. And my response to that is often, look, you know, it depends how you do it for one. But two, I think there's, people have to care. Yeah. They have to care. If they're going to do something different, it has to touch them a bit in the heart, right? And so if it's just kind of generic, you're not motivated to do anything different. It has to touch on something that actually matters to you. It's so true. And just picking up something that Jess was saying, I think you're there in service of that person. Mm-hmm. As a coach, I think you're there in service, regardless of who's, whether the, whoever has arranged it to happen, whether it be an organization, I think mm-hmm. in that one-on-one a dynamic. You're there as a coach in service of that person to provide mm. the care and support for them to create an opportunity for themselves to be better at what they're trying to do. Mm. So I think you're absolutely right. You've got to care. You've got to build trust. But then you've also got to create the environment for people to allow insights to emerge for themselves and how you can ask questions and mm. and understand the context. Because you also touched on that as well. Everyone's context is different. Mm. If S plus T equals R, which we believe is that the stimulus is different for everyone, mm. the world in which they're operating, the environment which, with which they are they are living is different for everyone. So as a coach, how do you understand that in a way to help the, the counterpart look back at that in a way that they can maybe see a different perspective to get a different view, to get a different potential solution? Yeah. So great point. So that's the stimulus plus thinking equals response, right? Which is kind of the situation plus your LSI one, how you interpret that situation determines your response or uh, or reaction, <laughs> uh, depending how much thinking is in the middle between those different things. I find, so Lorraine McCarthy does an event called LSI Value of Self, which mm. I've, I've done before and it's such an insightful event. And mm. the way that she facilitates that event and coaches mm. that event she really opens it up for you to actually think, why did I score myself a two or a one or a three, you know, in that, in that particular question? And she really, she really makes that happen in your, in your brain pretty much. She, she makes you think about that. And just the way that she approaches her debriefs is a great way. It's a great call. And that, that's often a question I like getting to because speaking of holding people in their discomfort, you know, you'll look at someone's, you know, constructor stars and they've scored a lot of ones maybe. And they're like, oh, but that's just how I score. And so, you know, and like often, you know, I read that as being, you know, often, so I'd just call that. And it's like, oh, that's cool. So why'd you put a two on this other page for a different one, right? Like, why why was that a two and this is a one? And it's asking some of those questions, which is, because then they have to say, oh, oh yeah, okay. So I, I do actually give out two sometimes, right? So why was that a two? That's a hell yes. And this one's just a yes. Mm. You know, and bringing them back to that and making them reflect, yeah, on what is the difference between that? Why would I score differently? Yeah, and how much of it is the situation and how much of it is my thinking and deciphering whether I'm applying a lens to the environment that's mm. not true, mm. it's just my brain, mm. my mind concocting a story that I'm telling myself that mm. may not be as helpful as it once was mm. and helping people see that from a different perspective. Mm. I think that's part of how as a coach you can really help help people move forward because mm. that's what this is about. It's about progress. It's about improving performance in whatever part of the life work that you, you've identified you, you want to get better at. Yeah, and I think, that, I mean, that's another another way to go on on some of those 
some of those styles and stuff because people can be can cling on to some styles where they're like, oh yeah, mm. but you know, I need to do something, right? And look, there's probably some truth in that, or or they believe it works for them on some level. You know, some of these styles work for them on some level. They've been successful in the past for saying doing it, and that's cool. But the the tension question is always cool. So how does it work for you? How does it get in the way? Right? Does it ever get in the way? And you get them something. Well, you know, actually, sometimes you know, maybe I. I've burned some relationships in the past or, or something, right? That, it's that payoff and trade-off kind of question. So it's not about saying, you know, uh, it's always terrible, but it's like, cool, it's worked for you in the past, but what have been some of the costs potentially mm. to you and getting them to reflect on that? Yeah, and that reflection may not happen in the coaching environment. Mm. I think that's the other thing mm. I'm, I'm learning about is that not every coaching interaction is going to be big shining bolts of insight raining down on the conversation. That's <laughs> that's not success, you know, that's not realistic. So people's learning style is such that they need some time away after you've challenged them positively, mm. you've held some tension, they go away and they digest those mm. insights and, and more ideas will come. So I think that awareness acceptance action is that acceptance can take some time. And it's often when you're out walking the dog or doing something not related to mm. what, you know, work, that some of this stuff will come out. And I think as a coach, you've got to create the environment for the the awareness to take place mm. at a deeper level than, mm. than it may have happened for the acceptance to happen at a later stage. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Sam. You know, talking about, you know, what makes a good coach, I think coaches often put pressure on themselves that yeah. I need to get this person some huge insight. And sometimes that happens, but it's up to them yeah. ultimately, right? You gotta you can open the door, you gotta ask good questions to get them thinking, but they have to walk through it and you have to be okay with that. And it's hard actually to be okay with that because you want you want the best for everyone. That's why people get into coaching. They want to get results for people. But it's kind of takes two to tango or whatever you want to call it. They have a role to play as well. You can open the door, but they've got to walk through. Yeah, it's you know, look, as a coach, you've got to park your biases. You've got to be able to be aware of your own self in a way, and what's happening for you in in that moment, in that day, and and really check yourself that you are coming with an open mind and open heart to mm. the conversation in service of that person, and allow the coaching counterpart to get the value. To your point, it's it's up to them. You know, there's only so much we can do and it's being okay as a coach to to let yourself know that, that mm. the insights and the success is really that ownership and accountability sits with the person who's being coached. You've got to create that environment for it to emerge, but at the end of the day, that person needs to go and make it happen. Mm. And it's often why we, we often talk about how like we don't really study someone's LSI before we get in the That's room right. with them. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll often have a cursory glance at it just so I know roughly where where probably the majority of the time needs to be spent. So I'll, I'll flash at the outside one and two and outcomes, but I won't spend time concocting a theory or a story for myself or anything because the thing I've learned is you can see similar looking profiles, totally different reasons for them. And you never know that until you're in the room with someone and, and they fill in the story, right? Mm. They fill in the blanks because... Yeah, two people could have an avoidant style, but for totally different reasons. And so kind of sitting there and, and building a story in your mind kind of starts closing down your listening because you've already got a, a theory that you're trying to confirm rather than 
you know, being curious in the moment. I think that's a, it's been a trick, a, a bit of a tip and a trick that I, has helped me to be present. And listening happens with our ears, our eyes. Mm. You see the nonverbals in the debrief, and that's why it's so critical that you do it in person, face to face, because there's a lot of communication that we express in ourselves that goes far beyond what we say. Mm. And as a coach, being able to observe that and identify what might be happening for them to help them move closer toward their the, that insight that we talk mm. about is part of the gig. Mm. Yeah, it's a challenge nowadays. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned technology because there's an increased kind of demand, I suppose, for mm. for doing that. And look, it has a place, I think, for myself, and I think this would be probably pretty common across our team, that first meeting at least should be face-to-face because that's where you're really getting into the data, right? And you've got to mm. understand them. Sometimes I do like several down the track, maybe where I'm doing a handover with their manager or something be done via technology, but it's always better face-to-face and it's kind of a last resort going to other means because you miss out on all those other cues, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, it is a growing request that we hear. And my thought is, do you want to get the most juice out of the lemon? Mm. You want to do it face-to-face. If you're investing in growing yourself, it's the best investment you'll make, then give it all you can. Give it the due attention. Yeah. Yeah. I think for someone that is being debriefed as well from personal experience, you kind of want to have someone in the room there with you. You know, right. you might have a preconceived idea of how your profile is going to come out uh-huh. and then it comes out completely different yeah. and it's actually nice having someone there physically with you to respond to maybe how your body language is, is coming across as well, yeah. you know, and whether you need to ask certain questions where you just don't get that doing, you know, a video call mm. or that yeah. sort of thing. So just having that support present is, yeah. is a great way. That's a good point. Yeah, there's something just less personal, I suppose, isn't there, about, you know, like technology's great, it's awesome, but there's a place for, uh, for the good old analog world of uh, getting face-to-face with each other as well, I think. And also it's about often we will do multiple sessions with a debrief. We, mm. we recommend three, and, and I believe that that is the way to go because you need time to sit with maybe results that you weren't expecting. Mm. And having that coaching interaction to help you process and also help you steer you toward better understanding next steps, I think is key. And often the greatest work of a coach is what happens in the space between the sessions mm. where that person can sit with their results and they can, they can digest and they can follow up on areas that the territories that have that emerged. And then the follow-up sessions then allow you to really put some more context and more application to the insight and how you'll bring it to life. Because this insight is only helpful if you do something with it. Yeah. And I think that's the role of a coach is to help you action the insight and implement the things you've, you've identified in yourself. And I think that's part of that role as well, Dom, as a practitioner, is, is helping them bring it to life in their life. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, that's a great point, Sam, because I know we'll often operate in that way where third session, we'll just go over the data and have the conversation, right? What does it mean? What stands out? What are the insights that we're getting? And people aren't always ready to move to action at that point. Mm. You've got to let it sit with them and digest. I, I often talk about the new car effect, you know, when um, when you buy a new car and then suddenly you notice how everyone else has the same car as you. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's everywhere. Like, And so sometimes it's the same once you've done your LSI, you can't help but notice those behaviors or those thinking patterns. 
because they've been pointed out to you. So now you're like, oh, I did just do that competitive thing that I swore I didn't do, but actually there it was. I, I noticed it or, you know, here's that humanistic encouraging thought, you know? So you start picking it up. And, and so I often ask people between sessions, like, just be aware, yeah. make notes and come back with examples, right? Because so I've had people where it's like, no, that doesn't, that's not me. That doesn't fit. And the LSI too, in particular, right? Don't know where they're getting that from. And then they come back and like, oh, you know what? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I did notice a, a few things come up, which is good. And the other thing you can do is, is they can go back and ask questions. If they really yeah. don't understand, if there's a big disconnect, get some examples from people. And I often talk about feed forward. So mm. rather than like, why did you score me high for oppositional mm. or power or something? Because people aren't going to tell you the truth. If you come at them like that, they're going to go into their shell and be like, uh-oh, you know, Sam's, uh, Sam's upset. I'm not going to tell him. But rather like, you know, I want to, I, you know, I, I thought I'd, I want to be more humanistic and encouraging. So what would that look like? What are some things I could do? It's easier feedback for people to give to you. I think that's great. Ian from our team talks about if you're finding yourself getting some LSI2 data that has more of the defensive styles than you see in yourself, or even if you see them in yourself, if you're seeing those defensive styles coming through in the LSI2, Ian talks about that as an invitation, Mm. a great invitation Mm. for a conversation. It's an invitation from your line manager, your peers, your direct reports to Mm. step into more of who you are. Mm. And it's an invitation to help you get the clarity on what they want to see more of from you. Mm. I think it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I love, definitely shamelessly stole that one from Ian. I I love, (laughs) so when people have green in their profile, it's an invitation to come forward. Yes. We want you to come forward. We want more for you. And if there's red, it's bring us along. Yeah. Bring us along with you. Brilliant. You know, that that's the feedback people are giving. And I think when people hear it like that, it's like makes more sense. You know, they're not saying you're a bad person or something. Mm. They say, come forward or bring us along. That's the message I always see. The other thing I like to do, Sam, is between sessions is I often give people homework. So just before the next session, between all the sessions, actually, I'll send them some questions. So say after the first, before moving to actions, it'll be, what were your insights? And so on. And it's not homework, I'm not going to grade it, but I find if people, if you set them a questions to answer and they actually go through it, then they're just, they've thought about it at a deeper level and, and you're able to have a more productive second session where, you know, they've, they've really reflected on it in between. Yeah. And just to Jess's point before you, you so you someone you can be open with and is someone there, whether it be in the room or as a follow-up session emerges, it's there to help you when you're grappling with some questions that you've maybe never asked yourself. Mm-hmm. So having someone to be able to share that with in a way that helps you move forward, because this can be confronting either LSI 1 or 2. The results can be confronting because we may have never realized that about ourselves. Mm. So having someone there as a coach to to be there through that journey, whether it be face-to-face or through the in-between sessions, to help you, support you, keep you heading in the right direction. Because we see people react to feedback. Mm. We see them bounce from from green. They all of a sudden find themselves being more aggressive, defensive as a solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we find Swing them, the other way. Yeah. yeah, we find them you know, going right to their shell because they've been told they're, they're red. They don't uh-huh. want to be showing up as that. So you know, an old boss said, used to coach our team. He said, you don't go from, uh, you don't go from green to blue via red. Mm. You don't go from red to blue via green. You've, how do you check yourself on your 
check your awareness of your response to how the feedback lands for you. Mm. And a coach's role is to help you keep you on track versus, you know, we often see people not always respond, they can react and helping them and stay constructive through mm. the debriefing process. Mm. It reminds me of a debrief I was doing where someone said, I want to grow power. <laughs> the power star. And I was like, huh, okay. And look, rather than try and talk them out of it, this is the, you know, to your point, people have to come up with their own insights. So it's like, cool, okay. Let's look at the items under power and the item by item breakout. Tell me which one you want to grow, right? Because there's dictatorial, all these kinds of things in there. He's like, oh, None of them. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, you know, I think things like power, though, and common usage of the term, I think, is what he's getting at. So instead, I was like, well, let's look under achievement instead. You know, what's under here and self-actualizing? Let's have a look at those items. What would you want to grow here? So redirecting, but but it was fun because it was. I didn't try and tell him, oh no, you don't want that. It's like, cool. Let's look at them. Which one? <laughs> and people that have built their career on certain styles that mm. aren't we believe aren't as sustainable. It's helping them shift that all of the opportunities for them to achieve everything they want in their life can be achieved from the constructive mm. styles and redirecting them to blue. Mm. And from that initial debrief, all conversations post that are really honed in on the constructive styles. All the action mm. in the 3A model, mm. I believe sits in constructive and helping them clarify the steps they're going to take around the constructive styles to help them be more effective in their life. Mm. And that triple A model is the awareness, acceptance, action. Mm. Yeah, so moving people mm. through that. Mm. What's um a closing tip for for a coach out there? What what do you think sh- people should keep top of mind? What do you reckon, Jess? I think it's just keeping that conversation open. Uh, mm. Like a lot of the questions that you're probably asking the person that's being debriefed, they've probably never been asked before. Mm. So it's kind of a, that new thought process for them as well. So giving them a bit of time just to kind of think about that question and oh, okay, this is actually what I'm going to answer. Mm. Which can sometimes be that awkward silence. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like leaning into that awkward silence and not filling the void yourself. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, for me, I think it's just what, how do you check yourself? How do you continue to invest in yourself? We've got great PD events that allow you to do that. Mm. But what work do you need to continually look to yourself to ensure that you're showing up to have the impact you're, that you're intending to have? Mm. How do you check yourself to park your biases at the door? Mm. So you're being in full service in that situation, in the present moment, adding the most value you can. So mm. Love it. All right, guys, thanks for your, your tips and advice on what makes for a good, a good coach and a good LSI debrief session. I think it's been really valuable. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.